Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 14, recorded 31 July and produced 18 September 2015. Language is one of the principal means by which we communicate. If we can't speak the language in a foreign land, we find it hard to converse and make ourselves understood. In Scotland, there are three native spoken languages. English, of course. There's also the ancient language of Gaelic, an example of which is found in my usual sign-off here. When I say, Tapalev agus alafa gabra, that's Gaelic for thank you and Scotland forever. But in Scotland, there is also the Scots language filled with wonderfully colorful words like drukit, glaikit, ween, pisht, peeliwali, and numpty. In a moment, we'll be talking Scots here under the tartan sky. Caught up in the mystic and spellbinding saga that is Outlander? Wishing you could be swept away over the sea to sky? Why not come and visit Claire and Jamie's world? It's a land of standing stones, shimmering lochs, and great glens that stretch to the horizon and beyond. Outlander, whether in books or on TV, is Scotland. Come and visit the breathtaking landscapes, walk the historic castle grounds, listen for the skirl of the pipes through the thickening mists. You can travel through time when you visit and experience Scotland. Scots is one of Scotland's three native languages, the others being Gaelic and English. Scots is often known by other names, such as Doric, Dundonian, and Glesga, among others. Scots is, in effect, a language made of the sum total of all the Scots dialects, and there are four primary dialect regions in Scotland that are further subdivided into ten subregions. Speaking Scots is not the same as speaking English with a Scottish accent. Most English-speaking peoples have an accent. According to the Scots Language Center, speaking at Scots means using many words, sayings, turns of phrase, meanings, and grammar found only in, well, Scots. And what are some of those words? Well, for example, there's aboot, bairn, bonnie, bray, kunsel, doon, dreek, feather, glaket, haid, hoose, ken, kerk, laddie, lang, lassie, mither, scunner, ween, and my personal favorite, numpty. So what does Scots sound like? Again, thanks to the Scots Language Center, here are three examples. The first is a woman from Shetland, one of the far northern islands of Scotland. Well, this story that I'm going to tell you comes from Oya, right in the north of Shetland. It's a story that I heard tell when I was a pretty lass, but it's also a story that I'm right. There are difference between the two that I'll come to at the end of the story. First of all, what happened? It's about a family at Bade and Bradley, which is not far away from Oya, and in the house there, they were 
the mother and the father and a family of three. They were two brothers and a sister. They were not that young of all, the young age was up in their thirties. And with this time that the story happens, then the mother of the host, the mother was an old body and barely crippled with rheumatism. So it fell to the daughter to do most of the work with the animals. This is a gentleman from the West Central region that includes Glasgow, speaking about a horse he had as a boy. When I think back to my, to, to my own bearded, you know, as a wean, you know, uh, we, I had a cuddy because uh, we had the last horse and cat in Newcomer. My uncle Jimmy, Jimmy the Fruiter, uh, had this, uh, the, the horse and cat, and we had a big Clydesdale cuddy, a big Clydesdale horse. And I can mine as a boy uh, getting uh, lifted up onto the cuddy's back and sitting in this giant muffled horse and uh, I can mind the smell of it yet. And finally, a man from the Borders region in the south of Scotland speaking about the Hogmanay, or New Year's tradition, of first footing, being the first to visit a neighbour after the strike of midnight at the New Year. First foot out of the door after the New Year. Um, it's a thing that's kind of doing out now, but uh, certainly I've uh, memories of first footing and um, that long ago in some places, and although I have to say I hadn't been very popular at the first fit because I read hair and uh, I mind not being allowed out of the door at my granny's house because I had read hair and I had to wait for somebody with black hair to be on the phone. So now that you have a sense of Scots, one of the best ways to learn about any language is with a dictionary, where you can learn pronunciations, definitions, and proper usage. To delve into the Scots language, my guest here, Under the Tartan Sky, is Pauline Spital, Senior Editor at the Scottish Language Dictionaries, producers of several titles, including the Scottish National Dictionary, the Essential Scots Dictionary, and the Concise Scots Dictionary, first published in 1985 and currently being revised for a second edition. To understand Scots better, I wanted first to know something of its origins and history. It was originally a dialect of Old Northumbrian, and that split off about 1,100 years ago, and Scots developed from that. It's got a very distinctive grammar and written English. For example, in American English, you get quite a few tenses, verb tenses, for example, modal verbs, as in, I used to could do something. You'll get that in the, the where the Scotch-Irish immigrated to. So you, you will have quite a lot of Scots in American English. But it differs from English in that, again, for example, tenses. In Scots, I would say, my hair needs washed. In English, you would say, my hair needs washing. Yes. In Scots, I would say, I'll telephone you out with working hours. In English, English, you would say, I'll telephone you without working hours. So it's, I mean, the without in English now is quite archaic, but it's, it's still used. One of the phrases that has always struck me when I've been to Scotland and to a certain extent within the UK in the United States, I would say, I'm sitting here talking with, and in the UK, I often hear, I'm sat here talking with. Is, yes, that is, would, is be, that the, that would be the thing. Indeed. 
Indeed, that's exactly what I mean. The other thing is where you get, I'm trying not to be too technical, but where you get something like you would say when you've done something, you would say, oh, I've seen me doing such and such, as in I have been doing something. So that is definitely construction-wise, that would fit in very well with, with Scots. And so, in a sense, for the untrained ear, someone speaking Scots almost sounds like someone who's using bad grammar, when in fact they're speaking a different language to the to yes. effect. Exactly that, exactly that. Nowadays, Scots, of course, is not just tolerated in our schools, but in in many cases, encouraged. So, in, in that sense. And, of course... Any person listening to a Scots person speaking is recog- that, that they're Scottish is recognisable by their accent. Yes. No matter what part of Scotland they come from, it's easily identifiable. It's interesting you mentioned the, the language being encouraged in schools. You have developed a uh, an app, I understand, that helps school children yes. uh, with the Scots yes, language? Indeed. indeed, indeed. It's a dictionary... Um, it was originally Scots Schools Dictionary, and it it is available free, and it was paid for by a special one-off grant from the Scottish Government, and it's available on your mobile, oh sorry, cell phone, on Apple, etc., uh, etc. Et it's free to download from the app stores. And it can also be used in iPhones and Android devices. And and what is the name of the app? The whole address is a iTunesApple.com GB app Scots hyphen dictionary hyphen for hyphen schools. Okay, maybe I can have you email me that link and I'll yes, just Yes, I will it. <laughs> indeed. I'll do that, Glenn. I'll, I'll, I'll email the whole address to you. Great. We'll add that to the show notes so that people who want to check that out can. You mentioned that you can recognize the Scott accent no matter what part of the country a Scottish person is from. And it's, it's well known, or perhaps it's not. I'm aware of it, that the Scottish accent is different if you're in different regions of the country, i.e. a Glaswegian accent is not the same as that of a person from Edinburgh. And not. the Highlands and Islands accents are different. Is the same true of the Scots language? Does it vary to some extent by the regions of Scotland? Yes, very much so. Uh, Aberdonians have their own dialect words. Shetland and Orkney, especially because of the Norn, the influence from Scandinavia, they have many different ones. And, of course, the cent- what we call the central belt, which yes. is the bit between Glasgow and Edinburgh. Right. Um, we have different regional words, and the differences are not so great that you wouldn't understand, mostly, <laughs> <laughs> someone from, uh, from uh, Aberdeen or uh, Shet- for example, in Shetland, for you, they say do. So you would um, a nice and a nice Aberdeen one I do like is the word bozy, and bozy means a cuddle, you know, a hug. Okay. Also, there are words from 
other regions that have become widespread throughout Scotland because, of course, of modern media. I mean, that was why people thought that because of, for example, television, radio, mass media, that the language would die and it would you wouldn't have the isolated dialects in little pockets. For example, a an Aberdeen word for a live-in boyfriend or girlfriend is a bite-de-in. Now, everybody in Scotland would know what a bite-de-in is now, but before it would have been a word that was confined to the Aberdeen and surrounding areas. Dundee is another one. Dundonian has a very distinctive vowel structure. They, instead of saying five, as in one, two, three, four, five, they will say fev. Or, and instead of saying I, or in Scots, for example, I would say ah, meaning I, I am, I'm going to do something. In Dundee, they would say a. Eh. So that vowel is completely different. And again, I can I can understand it. The only one I think I would have difficulty with is Shetland. And I have to definitely, when I'm hearing uh, people from Shetland speak, I would definitely have to tune in, tune my hearing in to picking up what, what they were saying. But most, most dialects would be mutually understood by people from other areas. But there are distinctive differences. It's funny that you mentioned Shetland because there is a there is a, a, a television program called Shetland that is available on um, public television here in the United States. And oh. uh, I've watched uh, all of the episodes of it. And I don't know if, if the actors that are in the program are speaking Shetland Scots or not. But even the Scott accent alone, sometimes I have to clue in a couple of times just to make sure that I'm hearing uh, what's being said. <laughs> and I'm Indeed. and I'm pretty familiar with the Scots accent. A lot of Americans uh, obviously are not. And so it's more of a challenge. But sometimes you do have to. I remember watching an interview that has nothing to do with the, with the Scots language, but the Scott accent as we're talking about that. Watching um, an interview that was done with uh, Dawn Steele in the days when she was one of the stars on Monarch of the Glen. And there was a, there's a segment, one of the answers to one of the questions that she, she gave, I've listened to a thousand times and I still don't know (laughs) what she was saying is just one of those things that, and she's a a Glaswegian of course. And so it was just something that she said, but I still haven't figured it out with the accent, but, but that's part of the, the, what I think is the beauty of of the Scots people is is the language and, uh, and the accent. Not only are there different words in doing my research, reading that some of the words in the Scots language sometimes change meanings, and that must make it an incredibly difficult language to stay on top of. Yes and no. I mean, English is the same. I mean, you you, you get shifts in meanings. Mostly, there are seldom what we would call neologisms. Very, very rarely do you get an absolutely brand new word. I mean... Even things like selfie, it's self and a diminutive suffix. The way it's put together is new and the concept is new, but the word itself is not. Yes, selfie, of course, talking about the social media phenomenon of taking a picture of yourself. The slang for it has become selfie. 
Yes. Um, I think in in Scots, I was trying to find examples of this. One of the ones I, I quite like, and it, it is more colloquial. It's a colloquial meaning, but it comes from a good, solid Scots word. And the word I'm thinking of is dinghy, which means to reject or disappoint or put away, go away from. In Scots, the original meaning is to hit someone or to knock something hard, hit something hard, ding something. It's quite good, I'm at my desk, I can look this up. Um, That moved in, to knock or beat, to strike, to drive, to push suddenly. And the earliest ones I've got in the Scottish National Dictionary is from 1721. You may ding the devil into the deal into a wife, but you'll never ding him out of her. You can ding, knock the devil into your wife, but you'll never knock him out. So in English, our word might be beat. In other words, you can yes. you can beat exactly. the devil out of a person uh, or into yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's it's become extended to mean reject or ignore somebody as well. You could say, "Oh, I saw, I met so and so." in the street, but I dingied him, meaning I didn't speak. So what you do get in, I I think, in all languages, not just English or Scots, is extensions of of existing meanings. Words grow and change to suit the environment or the situation as required. When that first came about, I don't know when that first changed. I wouldn't think it makes it any more difficult to learn than English or French or German, where words are changing. And the march of language change and language development, I remember in France when they tried to stop the use of English, the government actually tried to stop where things like le weekend became popular phrase. And you can't you can't stop the way people speak. It's a, a thankless task, as is evidenced by Scots, because the powers that be have tried to stop people speaking Scots for generation upon generation, and we're still speaking it. Why is that? Why would you want a language like that to to disappear? Um, I think, I don't want to dwell on the politics, but I think... It is the the fact that English was the language of power, and you know it's the 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 old saying is that a language is a dialect with an army and a navy, and English was the the language of eventually the upper classes. Historically, James the Sixth, who became James the First of England, he spoke Scots. But then as soon as the court moved it to London, he never came back. He never turned around and came back. Hmm. He just went, oh, bye. <laughs> um, and, but then the courtiers decided, I think almost within a generation, they would be Scots. And the upper classes in Scotland were all educated, public, what we call public school, meaning private school. So the English became the language of 
power, the language of government, and therefore regarded, rightly or wrongly, as the language of polite society. And not now, but people of my generation were taught at school speak properly. Mm. As opposed to improperly, as we were all doing in the playground. <laughs> yes. And um, in my day, corporal punishment could still be administered. And you were indeed belted, as we used to say, for speaking Scots. Um, when you think about it now, of course, it's, it's absolutely barbaric. It is. I mean, that's just and, absurd. And, and, and likewise, a generation earlier, uh, children were belted for speaking Gaelic, punished for speaking Gaelic. Mm. Um, so it's difficult to understand nowadays with, you know, all the, the, the modern aspirations to self-expression, etc. It's very difficult to understand the thinking behind that. And I don't think in terms of our teachers or indeed our parents in some cases would would encourage the use of proper English and not speak Scots. Um, my my parents were a bit ambivalent about it. We certainly spoke Scots at home, but outside you would definitely have, depending on who you to whom you were speaking, you would adopt a different register. Am I correct in in thinking a lot of that was coming from the the train of thought that speaking English indicated to others that you were perhaps a better educated person, a person of higher standing? Exactly. Exactly that. Thankfully, it's not the same nowadays. And you get on the radio, television, television announcers, regional dialects, regional people, Scottish people, or... But we have a, a very, very famous journalist, news journalist, on the Today programme, which is on Radio 4 of every single morning except Sunday. Um, and I listen to it. And one of the main announcers or journalists in it is a man called James Nochte. And when he first, apparently when he first started, because he does have a not strong Scottish accent, but certainly a recognisable one, the BBC had complaints and wanted him taken off because he wasn't speaking received pronunciation English. And the credit to the BBC, they kept him on. And I think that must be about 30 years ago because he's still doing it now. <laughs> However, he has he's announced his retirement, but he's he's still he's still there. So to get back to your um, original question where you say is Scots a true language or is it a slang dialect it is neither slang nor a dialect it is recognised by the European Union as a minority language so that's as, as good as you can get to call it and to calling it a language and I want to get into your work with the Scottish language dictionaries but in order mm-hmm. for my listeners who 
are not familiar with the Scots language, what I'd like to do is do a little word association, if you will, and throw a few words at you from the Scots language and have you give us the definition just to give people a sense of how colorful a language it is. For example, there is the term peewee-wally. Peewee-wally. Yes, that means insipid or um, looking ill or thin, um, stunted, um, feeble. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking it up. Sickly, feeble, pallid, wan, ill-looking. Okay. And it's... It's a, it's still current now, of course, um, but it's certainly, we've got here, it's a tall, thin-looking person. I never would have associated it with a tall person, so there you go, I've learned something. Well, interesting, because <laughs> my impart, uh, impression was that it was more uh, generally meaning sort of sickly-looking, ill. Yes. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. And, and if I were to talk about the weather, I might say... Boy, it is drukit outside. Uh, would you? I would say I was drukit. Okay, but I'm probably but using I, it in the wrong wrong manner, but it is relative to to weather. Yes, something soaked. It's. I was thinking drukit was it's pouring rain out. Not necessarily. I'm just. Uh, uh, it's it is more to drench or to to soak or. Um, so if I if I came in from a pouring rain and I was soaking wet, I would be drukit. Exactly. Okay. If you went out without your umbrella, you'd get drukit. Okay. Okay. Would I be correct to say that what you and I are doing now might be considered having a good blether? Yes, we're having a very good blether. Indeed, we are. But it can also mean that <laughs> it can also mean you've got to be careful with that one because it can also mean you're talking nonsense. You would talk about a child. <laughs> okay. You would you would talk about you sometimes say of a small child, oh, she's a wee blether, meaning she just don't listen to her. She's talking nonsense. Okay. Yeah. I, I, but, I'll... <laughs> but but um, yes, most Scots are indeed fond of a good blether. Yes. Well, hopefully that's what we're having, and, and we're not talking nonsense. Um, my favorite word. And I don't remember when I picked this up when I was over in Scotland, but. I think it was in an iron brew commercial, as a matter of fact, uh, and I'm almost positive it is. But my favorite Scots word of, of all is numpty. Right. That's really interesting because that's a fairly new coinage. And we've had correspondence with Oxford English Dictionary, uh, and they've added it to their latest. Um, really? I'll just, I'll just find what they say about it. But they don't know where it came from, and neither do we. It's gone into English, and that's another thing that happens a lot of the time with Scots, is sometimes if the English don't have a word for something, they'll pinch one of ours. And good <laughs> luck to them. Well done, then. Well done, them. You're right, yeah. Um, so we've got, in the Oxford English Dictionary, British slang, originally Scots, a stupid or foolish person, an idiot. And their first record is 1988. Wow. Um, and our first record is 1989. So it is a very new word then. So it is quite quite new, but it, 
again, because Scots is by and large a spoken language, and we are relying on written sources, OED has the same problem, but to a lesser degree, that if something something is about a lot longer than before, and I'm, I'm not being very articulate here, if something gets written down, it means it's been around for a lot longer than when it appears in print. So, until something's written down, we're not recording it. That didn't mean it, that it didn't exist right. before. And it's not so going it, to be written down until it's been spoken for a while. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. So, when it first appeared, is unknown. I'm almost certain when I first heard it, it was in an Iron Brew commercial. So there you go. You were talking earlier, mass media spreading a language and in, to some extent preserving a language. And yeah. and so there's a new word in the Scots language that I learned through mass media, through television commercials. Yes, indeed. Yes. Now, you are the senior editor for the Scottish Language Dictionaries, and I know you do a lot of publications, but significantly, Scottish Language Dictionaries produced the first edition of the Scots Concise Dictionary. And and if you want to know a language, you have to rely eventually on a dictionary. As a writer and a broadcaster, I have a Webster's right here beside me, or there's the Oxford English. You can choose which one you want. But anyone that wants to study and, and know language has to have a dictionary nearby. So yes. there has to be, there had to be, I'm sure, a Scots Concise Dictionary, and yet that too is a fairly new publication. You're working on the second edition now. How did the first Scots Concise Dictionary come about? Well, the first one came about, again, it was before you had access to the internet, and there was no, people had difficulty getting access to the main dictionaries. And the concise the first concise is based on the dictionary of the older Scottish tongue, which is the language in Scotland until 1700. And it's all the language in Scotland. It's not just Scots. And the Scottish National Dictionary, which is from 1700 onwards, and that's 10 volumes, and that deals only in Scots. So what the editors did, and I hate to say this, but I did actually work on the first edition of the Concise Scots Dictionary, but that was when we employed child labour in Scotland. But so what we did in in the 1980s was we did our best to distill all the information as far as we could into one volume. Now, the Dictionary of the Older Scottish Tongue at that time had only been completed as far as S. So there is very little information about Older Scots after the letter S. And because of the space limitations, we did not include the Orkney and Shetland language much to the annoyance of our Shetlandic and Orcadian colleagues. So what we did was, as I say, condensed these... At the time, I think it would have been about oh, 20 volumes of dictionary into one volume. Wow. Well, how you did it was basically the major thing we did 
was missed out all the quotations, missed out all the examples of usage, and relied on definitions to explain the meanings. And also, it relied very heavily on what we call in, in dictionary terms the nesting system. So if you've got a copy of the Concise, you will know that derivative compounds and phrases are all nested together, as are parts of speech. So that was how we did CSD1. And then fast forward to early this century, and we decided to do a supplement to the Scottish National Dictionary. There had already been a paper supplement, but this was an electronic supplement to be added to the DSL. Now, you know about the DSL, the Dictionary of the Scots Language Online. I do, and I was going to ask you to, to tell us about that for people who want to learn more about uh, the Scottish language. Is there an online resource to do that? Yes, the Scots DSL, that is all 22 volumes online, plus a supplement to the Dictionary of the Older Scottish Tongue and two supplements of the Scottish National Dictionary. And Q, then, the revised edition of the Concise Scots Dictionary. And what we've done here is, because we've got the Dictionary of the Older Scottish Tongue to the end, we're adding that information, and also we've, we've split the entries up into what we think is a more user-friendly accessibility methods. Time will tell if we're right about that, but it's um, certainly we decided that we would make the, the material more accessible. And that's how that's how it differs from one. What will happen after that is the material that all of this is based on is in the big dictionaries, the, the two parent dictionaries, as we would call them. And what we have to do before any other single volume dictionaries come out is pull together all the supplements, well, not all the, but pull together the, the material we've got and update a lot of it before we can think about a new edition of this. But yes, all dictionaries, there is no such thing. I suppose Latin ones, but all dictionaries, if it's a living language, there is, is a rolling collecting going on all the time. Certainly, no sooner do you publish a new edition than no doubt you're already researching and working on what will be the, the, sequ the sequel, the next edition. Um, it, it's Absolutely. one of those never-ending tasks or, or catch-22 type things. There's never a start and a finish. It's just always yes. ongoing. Yes. So you have the Scottish, correct me on the, the terminology, but the Scottish National Dictionary, that's 22 volumes. No. No? The Scottish National Dictionary is 10 volumes. Okay. And that's the modern period, or what we call the modern period, from 1700 down to the present day, or to 2005. Okay, and then we um, have the, the Concise Scots Dictionary. How do those differ? The Concise is a single volume, is that correct? Yes. Okay. And it's a distillation of both the Dictionary of the Older Scottish Tongue, which is now 12 volumes, and 
the Scottish National Dictionary, which is 10 volumes. And it's a distillation of these 22 volumes. Okay. And when will we see the second edition of the Scots Concise, do you think? I hope next year. One of the things that struck me, I was reading, there was a wonderful article about your work in uh, the Scots Magazine a few issues back. And one of the things that struck me as truly unique is that your organization, the Scottish Language Dictionaries, is a nonprofit organization, and you do receive funding from the government for your work. But yeah. you also are doing what I really think is incredibly interesting. It's it's a form of what has become very much a pop society thing of crowdfunding. And, and you're doing outreach in the sense that individuals can sponsor a word, make a donation, and, and they sponsor that word in the dictionary. Tell me a little about how that works. Well, you apply to us and you tell us what words you would like to sponsor and it costs £20. And then once you sponsor the word, you will receive a pack with a little certificate which you can then frame with your name on it and the word you've decided to sponsor. And that's how it works. And it's a fundraising. Yeah, yes. fundraising yes. scheme to help the publication of the next uh, next yes. edition. Yes. Has that been well-received? Um, it's, we do get a fair amount of, not fair, I, I would, the, the funding is not my area, if you know what I mean, but the, sure. the sponsoring award is, um, certainly, and there are peak times, for example, people will give, give it as gifts at Christmas, uh-huh. you know. What do you give someone who's got everything a Scots word? Sure, you, know? you give them a Scots word, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't give you the figures just to tell you how significant, but I do know that we... And also, what we tend to do is friends or colleagues who perhaps are tiring or whatever, we will give them a word as a gift suitable to their personality, Uh, shall we say. (laughs) (laughs) I would not want to be the person who was given the word numpty. (laughs) (laughs) So is there... Is that something that is available to individuals worldwide? Do you have to be a resident of Scotland to do this, or can no, anyone sponsor No, absolutely. Work? Anybody can do it. My thanks, as always, to Pauline Spital for sharing her intimate knowledge of and giving us a wee peek through the window at this unique language called Scots. Just 10 days ago, as this show was produced, the Scottish government announced a new national Scots language policy to promote the Scots language. It calls for new educational emphasis, trilingual signage, and the establishment of celebrity Scots ambassadors. The initiative has been received with, well, mixed reviews, with the government saying, quote, The Scottish government takes the preservation and promotion of all three of Scotland's historical indigenous languages seriously, and the new policy underpins the Scottish government's commitment to Scots, end quote. Meanwhile, if you're interested in sponsoring a word in the revised Concise Scots Dictionary, or perhaps in gifting such a sponsorship to a friend or a relative, check out the show notes on our website, underthetartansky.scot, for links and more information. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer, and as I always say in Gaelic, Topolev agus alapa gubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. Learn more on our website at www.glennlmoyer.com. 
For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol, tartansky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>